done. So I want you to get ready. Come on, welcome Brother Darwin Benjamin as he brings the word this morning, bro. Come on. Thank you, Pastor. Love you, Love you too. Well, good morning. Glad to be amongst you. And uh, I was telling Pastor earlier, uh, man, if, if anybody has uh, trouble getting a prayer language, just walk up to his office. It's so chilly up there, you'll be. <laughs> I, I didn't even want to start praying in tongues. I couldn't help myself. OK, amen. But I am glad to be here with you. Of course, this is my beautiful wife, my rib, the head of the household, not the head of the house, but the head of my ministry, which is Yolanda. Yolanda, you want to give a wave? See, I, my brain hasn't chilled out yet, the head of the household. Lord, that ain't even biblical, is it? Come on, somebody. But amen. I am so glad that you are here in the house of the Lord, and I just want to give honor where honor is due. First to my Lord and Savior, for those of you who do not know me, you know, I've been walking with Jesus now for 28 years, and I always thought I was walking with him, but literally he's been carrying me. You know, we, without him, we can do nothing. Come on, somebody. And I now, I now realize that religion will never introduce you to Jesus. But a relationship will lead you into an encounter where you meet Jesus and he'll change your life. And he took me out of a world of drugs and alcohol. Let's, let's just say the symptoms of sin, that thing that is common that your flesh desires. But, you know, how many know that when, when you follow, when you, do, when, you, when, when you get into those situations, that the death shall lead you to a savior? When you choose to give up the world to get the word, help me somebody, uh, you're going to find that your life can be fulfilling. You're going to find that you'll find the strength to overcome adversity and struggles and strength because the righteous, somebody say righteous, righteous. the righteous have been called to live by faith. Amen. Not by my feelings and not by my emotion, not by what I see. Not by what I think is right, but I am called to walk in the spirit, pray in the spirit and live with the spirit. Can somebody say amen? amen. And so I just want to spend a few moments with you. And I want to thank Pastor. You know, he's been here 27 years. Think about that for a moment. He's lasted in most people's marriages. He's lasted more than some people's addictions. When he got the call, somebody say call. He decided to get all in with Jesus. Amen. And if you really think about 27 years at one place, one place, if, if you can't get behind somebody that is planted, that walks with integrity, that has developed character, that has walked through struggles, not just his personal struggles, but your struggles as being your pastor, praying for you, dealing with building projects, dealing with the city, Dealing with people. You know, God's biggest problem in the whole world is one species and one species only. It's us. It's us. So here he's been 27 years. No wonder they call this place Solid Rock. Come on, somebody. Because what did he do? He took his life. Somebody say life. He took his life and he planted it upon the rock. And when you serve God and choose to get all in, no matter what you face, I'm talking to somebody in here, no matter what you face, no matter what you're going through, no matter what it looks like, you will always come out on top because of the rock. I thought I'd get a big hallelujah. I'm in, all right. But, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm in a battle right now. I'm in a struggle because, see, I'm a running back. I used to, you know, do this and that. I'm like, okay, I got to stay within the speakers here. You know, I like being amongst the people. But I guess, you know, God's had something different in store. Woo! It's a struggle. Say the struggle's real. 
Amen. I love the I love the video announcements. You know why I loved them? It doesn't matter how it came out. It was raw and it was real. I love it. I love it. We got too many professional stuff. Come on, somebody. Come on. Get rid of that professionalism. Just get real. Come on. Get real. Get real. Get real. If you just got real with yourself. Come on, somebody. I wonder how many people will be delivered from their struggles. If we just take off the mask for a moment. Come on now. Because how many know you can't fool God? You can't fool God. I don't need to act before God. God, what you see is what you get. But thank God that you love me enough not to leave me the way that I am. Come on, somebody. God is always into promotion. And sometimes he has to demote you before he promotes you. Come on, somebody. Okay, okay. Here we go. Here we go. You getting ready? All right, all right. I feel, I feel Elvis is on me right now. Help me, somebody. You might get a little bit of James Brown. Ha, good God, y'all. I don't know. I don't know what's going on right now. I'm just trying to find my place. Amen. James Brown was the richest man I ever know that could only get rich off of three words. Good God, y'all. Ha. You know, I don't know. What are we doing? What are we doing here? Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, amen, turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. And those of you, uh, the guys that are dealing with the PowerPoint, thank you for working with a crazy man like me. I may not follow the order, but it'll be okay if you hear me Paul call out the scripture. You can just pull it up. Amen. So here we go. I love being color coordinated. Black goes with anything, so we'll be all right. All right. Come on, somebody. Amen. It's been a long time since I've been at Solid Rock. I've been standing on pebbles, but I'm at the real place right here. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. Y'all bringing it out of me. Amen. I'm already sweating. Help me, somebody. Are you feeling good this morning? It's kind of too early for a brother to be awake. Come on, somebody. Amen. My wife is like, get on with the message. Okay. My wife keeps me accountable. Amen. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. And it says these words. It says, what does it say? I can't see. Oh, there he says, therefore, we must give account and give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. I'm going to read that again. Therefore, we somebody say we, we. can we take that term and put it to us? Yeah. Us right now. He said, therefore, we must give somebody say give. Yeah. You know, God is a giving God. There's not one thing that God chooses to withhold from you, but he will withhold if it's going to take you away from him. Yeah. If it's going to bring you into confusion, because God is not a God of confusion. He's the author the finisher of your faith. He says we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Lest we drift away. What is it that we have heard when it comes to the gospel, the good news? The good news of salvation, the good news of God's love, the good news of God's faithfulness, the good news, the love letter of his integrity, and his power that tells you about the beginning and the end and everything in between. He says, take heed to the word. Somebody say the word. The word, word least we drift away. We wonder why so many people of God drift away today. Get caught up in careless teachings and wrong teachings. Get confused about who God really is. Thinking that he's I dream a genie. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> You know, no, no, no. He is God. He's the creator of the universe. He's the spoken word that became the living word that came the written word. He's the word that came into flesh. And God says, listen, pay attention to what I'm speaking to you through my word, because if you get off my word, you're going to drift away. The word has been meant to keep you. The word has been meant to protect you. The word has been put there to provide for you. He is the word. If you get away from the word and go with your feelings, you're going to drift away. 
If you get away from the word and go by what you see, you're going to drift away. If you get away from the word, you're going to find yourself in a deep, dark place thinking that it's the light, but it is not the light. We always find the word. Somebody say the word. That's why I'm going to speak to you for a few brief moments on the theme. Oh, snap. Anybody ever heard that before? Oh, snap. That's that modern terminology, kind of urban like that comes like, what? Are you kidding me? For reals? Oh, my gosh. Woo-hoo! Oh, snap. Ooh, you know what I mean? That's what we do. Everybody in this room and everybody in the world has had old snap moments. You cannot enjoy the victory without first facing the agony. And you will never want to run away from agony until you taste the victory. Come on, somebody. So those old snap moments, like, for example, maybe you bought a new car. You're like, oh, snap, (laughs) that's what I wanted. Maybe you become a parent. Oh, snap. Then they got older. You go, oh, snap. You know what I mean? I mean, you just never know. You know, I have an old snap moment when I lost my hair. I'm like, oh, snap. But I can't get rid of this part. Help me, somebody. I just need to know I got hair. You get proposed to you. Oh, snap. You get a new house. Oh, snap. You're excited on things instead of someone. Then you have the old snap moments when maybe, you know, you were excited about a baby being born, but you lose one. Maybe you bought the house and then it got repossessed. Maybe you lost a family member or a friend or a loved one. You're like, oh, snap. Everybody has old snap moments. But Jesus says this. Stay in the word. There's nothing that God cannot do with the people who believe in God and trust God and stand on the word of God. Nothing, nothing, nothing is new under the sun to God. He knows everything that's going to happen before it happens. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He's the bright and morning star, but he emphasizes about the word. Not just the written word, but the word, him himself being alive and well, conquering death, grave and hell, so that you and I, can have a relationship with him. I just want to jump down there with you for a moment because I want you to get this. The word is interested in you. He even knew that we would sin before we knew what sin was. And he still chose to come. He still chose to create a world, not for himself, for the world is his footstool and heaven is his throne. That this world that he created, this world that he spoke into existence, he made it for us. Tell me that God's not looking out for us. Who? Come on, somebody. He says, do not drift away from the word. So we got to learn how to appreciate the word. Everybody in the world has access to the word. The most famous book in the entire world. But it's the least book that is open. You ever seen the word? I mean, this week has been crazy for me. I've been in a prayer block. I've been in, 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 in a word block. I've been in a writing block. I just didn't seem to get the breakthrough. So what I did, I was open the Bible. I mean, it was hard to open the Bible. Y'all looking at me. You must have sin in your life, brother. No, 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 no. I'm going to another level. Help me, somebody. I opened up that Bible, and I would begin to read. I, I want to pray. Get down on my knees, on my bed. And, I don't know what's going on. 
But then I found in the word where God says, when you get into those dry seasons, remember this, I never leave you or forsake you to the end of time. I'm excited about the promotion that God's about to do in my life to take me to a more mature and deeper level in him. I'm talking to somebody right here this morning. Amen. We got to understand that this word is the God of the universe who holds the universe in the palm of his hand, has given you and I his love letter. And he wants to touch you by reading his word as he reveals himself to you through his word. Because if not, what are we going to do? We drift away. And that don't make me feel like I'm the only one that's drifting away. Come on, somebody. This is reality. You cannot drift away from the word. If we drift away, it's because we got away from the word. That's it. He is the way, the truth, and the life. That's why I love Joshua 1.8. He said, meditate on the word day and night. And be careful to do everything, somebody say everything, that it tells you to do. Why? Because then you will find yourself being prosperous and successful in everything. Somebody say everything. In everything that you do. Wide is the gate to destruction. Narrow is the gate to the kingdom of God. We got to stay in contact with the word. Go to Matthew twenty-two fourteen, 14, please. Matthew twenty-two fourteen. 14. Notice what he says here. He says, for many are called, but few are chosen. Woo-wee! Everybody's called to repentance to receive salvation for the Lord, but only those who have chosen the Lord, who chose you first, help me somebody, will be used by God. God wants to inter inter interact with this relationship with you. God wants to develop you. God wants to use you as a beacon. God wants his power to flow through you because God is deeply in love with you. Oh, snap. That's an oh, snap moment. Can you believe that there's a God who you cannot see? We weren't there when he was born. We weren't there when he was beaten, whipped, and scourged. We weren't there when he died on the cross. We weren't there when he was resurrected. He said, but blessed are those who have seen me, but even more blessed are those who have not seen me, and yet they still believe. Guess an old step moment. Looking throughout the ages. No wonder he's the God of all ages because he's always been looking out for us. Come on, somebody. Thank God for Jesus. Many are saved, but many are called, but few are chosen. What is it that God has chosen you to do? Do we just want to be saved and live off of grace and no power? Do we just want to be saved and keep Jesus to ourselves and not give him away to the world? Luke 19.10 says this. He says, I came. Somebody say, I came. I came to seek and save that which is lost. No wonder darkness hasn't understood the light. When you belong to darkness, why would the light come after somebody that's in darkness? To pull you out of darkness so that you can live a life full of joy and power. Yeah. To live a life of excitement. To live a life that God will blow your mind at the capability of the things that we are able to do when we fall in agreement with him. Amen. Oh, snap. Come on, say that with me. Oh, snap. See, again, we cannot be religious, beloved. Right. We must be relational. We're relational beings. But there's nobody like you and I on the face of the earth. We have been made in the image and the likeness of God. God is so crazy about you that he chooses to live inside you. God is so crazy about you that he chooses to forgive you of all your sin from the past, the present, and the future. God is so crazy about you that he wants you to walk in power with his spirit. God is so crazy about you that he's preparing a place 
for you that it will blow your mind when you get there. We will walk on gold. Our gates will be a pearl. We will walk on streets of gold. It's phenomenal. Phenomenal, not phenomenal, but phenomenal. That's how much God is crazy about you. That's an old snap moment. But we get too worried about what other people say and other people think and how they're going to treat us and we give, take their word over his word. That person's not putting food on your table. That person isn't paying your mortgage. That person isn't giving you transportation. That person isn't giving you a platform to share the gospel. But God has helped me somebody. All right, John 15, 13. Notice the word of the Lord. I love this. He says, you did not choose me. As much as we like to think that we're in control, we're really not. I'm going to prove this to you. You, He said, you did not choose me, but I, somebody say I. This is the time that he's making it singular. He wants you to know it's him and him alone. He said, I chose you. And when I chose you, I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. Because anything that comes from God that he gives to you will always remain. And it will always be added on to to make it even better. That whatever, somebody say whatever. 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 No limits. Oh, snap. No limits. See, I just blew somebody's mind right there. No limits. Whatever you ask in my name. Mm. Ask the Father in my name, he may give you. What's the key? I've got to accept the fruit and keep the fruit that whatever I ask in the Father's name, it will be given unto me. Oh, snap. So why do we limit ourselves? Come on now. When it's based on the word, I'm a believer, but I limit myself of what I can have and what I can do. Somebody say, oh, snap. Watch this now. What has he chosen you to do? You didn't choose him. I didn't choose him. He chose you before we ever chose him. Can can I take you back to the garden for a few moments? Let's go back to the garden where it all began, where God prepared this fabulous place for humanity. We didn't have to work for a thing. Everything was, we talk about the spirit of entitlement. Help me, somebody. We had it all. Somebody say all. I mean, we had it all. We weren't lacking for anything. Before you and I ever came into the world, God had it all laid out. The atmosphere, the environment, the cultural environment. We had the, the, the farmer's market. Help me, somebody. We had all everything laid out. And God said, when he made man, he said, this is very good. And he turns around and he gives everything that he made unto man. Somebody say man. Talking to you men for a moment. You realize what God has given you to rule and have dominion over everything on the face of the earth before woman ever came on the scene. Pop my collar on that one. Hey, come on, somebody. And yet Adam became somewhat discouraged and felt alone even though he was made in the image and the likeness of God. There was no sin in paradise. 
Death was no longer in paradise. Talk about love. Talk about an old snap moment where God loves you enough to prepare you of the things yet to come and also give you an avenue of escape. Notice that God gave Adam permission to name the things that he made. God didn't name it. He created it and said, Adam, whatever you call it, so shall it be. And yet Adam became discouraged and felt alone because there was nobody like him. And in God's infinite mercy and love, he knocks him out. Goes inside the man. Help me, somebody. Takes out the man's rib and makes someone out of someone who's already been made. And he allowed Adam to name her flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. And this is my womb, man. Came from within me just like Adam came from within God. Help me, somebody. God dug into himself and brought Adam out through the breath of life. And now he became eternal living being. And God says, Adam, whatever you want to call this stuff, so it shall be. And then the two have become one. And then God gave us permission to eat from any tree of the garden that we chose before he ever restricted us. Why is it that we choose restriction over permission? Why is it we choose to do the negative over the positive? Why is it we do the things that we know that we shouldn't be doing? Why do we like to violate the rules? Oh, snap. Why is it so hard for us to walk in obedience when we had everything, but we choose to give everything away? Why is that? I have a, I have a theory on that, Darwin's theory. Can I do that real quick? Adam was the duplication and the replication of God himself in the flesh. And then he made woman after him. The Bible says he made them male and female. Adam and Jesus were so close that the enemy couldn't even come to Adam to deal with some nonsense. So he goes to the one who was made after Adam. And he goes after Eve, the mother of all living. Help me now. And he tempts her with the stuff that God created that Adam named. And he said, did God really say that you should not eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? And she's like, holla, yeah. Oh, yeah. He said, no, we should not eat of the fruit of this tree. And he says, oh, no, no. God knew that, you know, if you ate of it, you would be just like him. Fighting temptation. Fighting temptation. And she goes over. And Adam must have communicated to her because she knew what was said. Because God didn't address Eve, he addressed Adam. And she goes and takes the fruit. This is what some of your children who are eating of the fruit of the sinful nature of your life and my life until they become born again. That's why we've got to live this thing right before God. Amen. So that our children can see Christ in us. Help me now. She goes and she gets a hold of the fruit. And she bites it. Now, I don't believe that sin was complete when she did it because the two have become one. So immediately something shifted inside. Can I say this to you in love? That God operates on the inside before the outside. Amen. We're not to live for the outside. We're to live in the inside. The kingdom of God is inside of us. Everything that you need is already inside of you. And one of the things is faith. Amen. So she bites into the fruit of the tree. Something shifts in her, something she's not aware of, something that doesn't feel right, something that doesn't feel clean. And she turns around and she goes to Adam to offer him the fruit. And Adam, being just like God, come on now, turns around instead of standing, he bows. 
Here's my theory on Eve. Because God has never destined us to be separated from him. Adam is created just like God in the image and the likeness of God. I believe that Eve ate of the fruit and she came running. Not to God himself because she knew that sin had already entered in. But she came running to the man that she was familiar with. The man that talked to her, the man that warmed her, and she was hoping, watch this, that Adam would stand, but instead he bowed. I believe that she was coming to look for restoration. I believe that she was coming to look for reconciliation. I believe that she was coming to get hope and mercy, but instead, because Adam bowed, she wound up receiving judgment, and now sin became complete. I wonder what it's like for us in our lives when we eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. How easy sin just runs rampant down our family tree line and they got a, a generational curse. Yeah. But God, somebody say, but God, God. chooses an old snap moment. And notice what God does. As soon as they hear God walking, he didn't say talking, but just walking. As soon as they heard God walking, that must have been some long, big, powerful steps. Ouch, that hurt. <laughs> they ran. Somebody say ran. They ran and they hid themselves behind the bush. The light, they run, the darkness running away from the light and notice that the light chased the darkness. And God called out to them, where are you? Not like he didn't know. He already knew, but he was trying to produce an old snap moment and God pronounced judgment first on the woman, on the serpent, then the woman, then Adam. And now we have to fight our way back, but we can only win through Christ Jesus who chose you and chose me before the foundation of the world to be victorious through Christ Jesus, that no weapon formed against us shall ever prosper, that no death, no demon, no angel, or anything shall ever separate us from the love of God. We've got to learn to stop performing for God and start living for God. Can the church say amen? Let me go, take, go to John 15, 13. I said, is that, is that the one? Yeah, John 15, 16 that was. Let me show you how God turns around and chooses to help you here before we just get ready to close. God said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you to be saved, to be witnessed, to be represented, to be ambassador. If God didn't love you, watch this, why did he make you after himself? If God didn't love you, why would he pursue you? If God didn't love you, why would he come and die for you? If God didn't love you, why would he go to the cross for you? If God didn't love you, why would he resurrect himself on the third day? If God didn't love you, why would he send forth his word? If God didn't love you, why would he give you the Holy Spirit? If God didn't love you, why would he choose to forgive you? If God didn't love you, why is he willing to adopt you if you choose to adopt him as Abba Father? God loves you. Go to Acts 17, 26. Acts 17, 26 simply says this, I love this. Once again, we think we're in control. We like to pick the neighborhoods that we live in. <laughs> we like to pick the country and the cities. But I got news for you. Watch this. It says, from one man, he created all the nations through the, throughout the whole earth. And he decided beforehand. He decided before you decided. <laughs> Watch this. That when they should rise and fall, he determined their boundaries. In other words, God had already determined that you would be here in Diamond Springs. In other words, God already determined that you would attend this church. 
God already determined where you should live and set boundaries on your life. Why? That you may reach out to him, that you may grab a hold of him and that you may live for him. This is God's purpose for your life. He says you didn't choose him. He chose you. Can the church say amen? So let me close with this. Anybody getting anything out of this? Y'all pretty quiet. Come on now. Watch this. Chew up on this. I love Peter in Luke chapter five, verse one through 11. Luke chapter five, verse one through 11. It was so it, so it was that the multitude pressed about him, Jesus, to hear the word of God. We should be excited to hear the word of God. The word of God, especially in the house of God, should be a place of praise, a place of worship, a place of teaching, a place of equipping, a place of uh, uh, evangelizing, a place to get equipped to go out and do the work of the Lord. He said that he stood by the lake of Jesaret, the Sea of Galilee. Next verse, please. And he saw that two boats were standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and they were washing their nets. We're talking about the first calling of the disciples. Next verse. He said, then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon Peter, and he asked him to pull out from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. I'm trying to teach you as I stand here on the platform a little bit about the truth of the word of God. They say, oh, snap. Now watch this. Next verse. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, he addressed Simon individually, the first calling of the disciples. Launch out into the deep and let your nets for a catch. Next verse. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, somebody say master. We have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, 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 I will let down the net. Notice he called him master and he must have heard about Jesus. He must have heard about the reputation of Jesus. He must have heard them talking about Jesus and testimony. But why would he call him master if he hadn't answered the call yet? Watch this. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Next verse. So they signaled to their partners on the uh, partners in the other boat to come and help them. How many know that Jesus always does exceedingly and abundantly more than what you can ever imagine? He'll always supersede your need. And they came and filled both of the boats, not one boat, but both the boats so that they begin to sink. How many would like to have a bunch of fish in your boat and begin to sink? Help me, somebody. Next verse. When Simon Peter saw it, he looked, he saw it, he fell down. Mm. He fell down, he didn't trip, he didn't stumble. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, I am a sinful man, oh Lord. Oh snap. Somebody say, just the beginning. I watched this, here's my theory. Peter was a very proud man, somewhat vulgar talked crazy, but he took pride in his position of labor as a fisherman. He provided food for his city as well as his family and their neighbor's family. He was the man to go to. Oh, snap. And here comes Jesus giving his talk from the word. And he tells this man, Peter, who knows everything about fishing. He knows fishing better than I know being black. Peter knows. 
You can't tell him nothing. I've been fishing all my life. I know when the best time to fish is, is in the evening. But man, we've been out here all night long and we ain't caught nothing. Now watch the attitude of Peter. This is the first calling of the disciple. And God says, yo, Simon Peter. Now, he hadn't even met him yet. Maybe somebody told Jesus about Peter. But once again, we go back to you didn't choose me. I chose you. When he called out to Simon Peter, to me, he was saying, Peter, I'm about to step into your world without being your world, but bring a word to the world. I know you this great fisherman and I know you think you got it all down. You used to catching orcas and great sharks and tuna. I know you know the right time to do the fishing and all the people when they want to eat and need groceries. They just say, go to Peter, go to Peter, hang out with Peter. He said, but I'm going to tell you something, Peter. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the creator of all things. I speak it, it happens. Help me somebody. He says, Peter. Go on down a little bit further and throw your nets over to this side. Now, can you imagine Peter? Man, who do you think he is? Been out here all night. You trying to punk me? You trying to embarrass me in front of my friends and family? All right, dog, it's on like Donkey Kong. All right, you got me? Yeah, okay, master. That's what they call him. Well, I'll show him. I'll show him he's not really the master. We've been doing this all night. But because you said so, because you said so, yeah, yeah, this is my point to prove him wrong. I'm going to show everybody he's a false prophet. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? He's probably mumbling underneath his breath. And he throws out the nets. Oh, snap! His eyes get bigger than mine. Oh, snap! And the fish keep jumping in and keep jumping in and come jumping in. And he gets so shocked that he calls his friends, his homeboys, his pilots. Yo, bring the other boats over. We're sinking. And what does Peter do? Peter is not astounded just at the result of obeying the word of God and seeing the fish jump in. Not excited about the fish. He's excited about the one who told him where the fish were. What can we learn from Peter, beloved? Watch this. And we're, we're done. Watch this. One of the things that you can learn from Peter is that Peter simply did a few things. Pride comes before the fall. God was able to work with pride and break through pride and break him down to become humble. The second thing is that you notice that Peter obeyed God, even though he didn't believe God, he still obeyed God. Why? Because the word will never return void. What faith was inside Peter, even though his intentions were wrong, he still did it. And because the word will not return void, Peter wound up getting the victory. Amen. I want you to know that Peter, before he ever bowed on his knees and in his mind, he had to bow in his heart. Help me, somebody. And I want you to know that it wasn't that Peter recognized God. It was the fact that God recognized Peter, even in his condition and even in his status, that he had chose him before Peter could ever choose Christ. I want you to know that God humbled himself to lift Peter up. Notice what Peter said. Depart from me. Get away from me. I'm a sinful man. How is it that you can speak a word and I'm a professional fisherman and you just come along and outdo me? I was wrong in my attitude. 
was wrong in my thought. You outdid me. I am unworthy to stand before holiness. I want you to know this tonight. No matter what you're going, no matter what your attitude is, you still can have old snap moments with God. Amen. Notice what God's position was with Peter. Didn't cast him away. Didn't tell him that you missed the mark. This is what I think that God told Peter. I'm not going nowhere. I've called you unto myself. And I accept you the way that you are. But I'm not going to leave you the way that you are. You know what I'm going to do, Peter? Because you're so gifted at fishing, I'm now going to make you a fisher of men. I'm going to use you to spread the good news. Instead of going after fish who are not made in my likeness and image, I'm going to send you after men and after women, and you're going to carry the good news of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, move next to the next verse, watch this. He says, for all, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken. Next verse. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch what? Men. Next verse. Watch this. And so when they had bought, when they had, so when they had bought their boats to land, they what? Forsook all. Forsook all and followed Jesus. Beloved, let me tell you something. Jesus is standing before you today. What is it that you will withhold from Jesus to forsake all to follow him? If God asked you, moms, to give your kids to Christ and sacrifice them just like Abraham, could you do it? Let me ask you something, men. Could you give up your hobbies and give up your job? If God said, leave your job and follow me, and you didn't see the end result, could you do it? Let me ask you something. Could you give up your house, your cars, your family, your friends, your love, your jobs, and your money to forsake all and follow Christ just because he asked you to? Could you do it? Oh, snap. Oh, snap. God didn't withhold anything from us. He sent his very best in Jesus. The fullness of God dwelt in the Son. He gave us his very best, but we don't want the best from God. We still just want to be satisfied with good. If God did it to Jesus, he's going to do it to us. What are you not willing to forsake to follow Christ? That's the message today. For old snap moment. And I'll close with this revelation. As hard as you and I work. As hard as we work to accumulate things. Jewelry. Cars. Houses. Vacations. Can somebody help me with a theological problem for me? Have you noticed anybody at the end of their life been able to take any of it with them? They forsook all to follow Christ. Christ says, oh, snap. Is anybody willing to follow the orders, the marching orders, and let me make you fisher of men? And we, 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 the body of Christ, I know that we should be iron sharpening iron. I'm down for that. 
But I think we got stuck, Pastor, and we get caught and so busy of iron sharpening iron and sharing our weakness and being transparent, which is all cool, but we just keep it inside and we forget about those who are outside that need Christ. Oh, snap, am I talking to anybody? Does anybody have a heartbreak for those who don't know him and been able to experience the mercy and the grace and the power and the love that God gave you and I when we were in the midst of our sin? You know, I consider for me a privilege not only to talk to saints, but even more of a privilege to take the message of good news to people of an old snap moment that God would take a drug dealer, a sinner, a murderer, a liar, and a thief, and to give them a revelation of the love of God and the hope that can be found in Christ Jesus. Lord knows I don't belong here, but I guess it did because he chose me, just like he's chosen you. Can you stand with me, beloved? Somebody say, oh, snap. I hope that sticks with you. Oh, snap. What do you do with a God that you may not understand? That you keep your God in the box to fit your package. And when God wants to unwrap your package and give you his package. What do you do with a God who allowed so many babies and children to be murdered when they heard that the Messiah was being born? What do you do with a God who destroys the whole world except for one family because the world was so wicked and they say he's a loving God? What do you do with a God who doesn't answer your prayers the way you feel it should be answered or packaged, but he's answering his way, but we're missing the mark because we choose religion over relationship? Jesus said, all ye who are heavy laden and burdened, come unto me and I will give you rest. You may not agree with this statement, but whatever God chose to do to his son, he did so that you and I could have peace. You and I could have victory. You and I could spend eternity with a risen Savior, not a dead Savior. That when we face God, he will say, job well done, my good and faithful servant. Number one, for accepting the free gift, my son, Jesus. There's nothing you can do, nothing you can buy, nothing you can say that would change that to earn your salvation. It's a gift unto you. But now I've called you to be warriors of Christ, not just inside the church, but he says, I came and seek and save that which is lost. Don't be afraid of ministering to people who do not agree with you. I command you to love God, to love one another, and to love your enemies. I command you to go forth and catch people. Give them Christ, then invite them to church. Command you to operate in love. And love sometimes can be tough. Tough times don't destroy tough people. But tough people destroy tough times. You have a God that says you were worth it. The question is, beloved, is God worth it to you to forsake the world, to forsake friends, to forsake everything else to come follow Christ? You come into the house to be taught, to be equipped, to be corrected, to be encouraged. None of us like being corrected. That just told us that we have an indication of pride. God had to remove Peter's pride to get Peter to do the will of the Father. And I don't know who you are or where you are tonight, this morning. But I want you to know that God's watching you. That God still loves you. That will never change. He doesn't change. But to receive the blessing, 
We've got to walk in obedience. I'm going to say this before I turn this over to Pastor. There's an order that God has established, beloved. An order that's created in the family of God. The first order is God must be number one. The second order, women, you're not going to like this. I know. Don't stone me after the service. He created man first. He gave man all authority and all dominion. So there's God, there's man, and then came the woman. Even God called the woman the lesser vessel. And then there comes the children. We live in a society today. I wish there were some women. I haven't seen them yet or I haven't heard them. I haven't been all over the place. But I wish I could find some women that would preach on their position, their role as a woman and how their first ministry should be the man. Because we can't do what we're supposed to do without you. I got weak spots. My wife covers me. My wife fills me. My wife watches over me. My wife counsels me. My wife doesn't lead me. My life will correct me when I'm out of order. But now we got women saying, all we need is Jesus. I agree with that. But what about your husband? What about when you start ministering to the kids before you minister to your husband? What about when you minister to other people, places, and things, and you forget about your husband? Men today are falling by the wayside because they don't feel honored. They don't feel appreciated. They feel like a failure. Words have been spoken from other men, things that have happened in their lives. And then they come home and they hear the wives nagging and complaining, saying we don't measure up. Why am I carrying all the load, etc., etc.? That's not God. We men must rise up. We cannot be concerned about what our wives are saying to a degree. And the children are saying, the order of God is God, man, woman, and child. And until we get the order back in place, we will always have dysfunctionalism. And guess what, men? It's not the women's fault. It's not the children's fault. It's our fault. It's our fault. We must do what God has called us to do. So my challenge to you this morning, men, is take up your cross put God back where he belongs and do what God has called you to do and let God put the place in order as soon as I came turned around got my spiritual authority back with my relationship with God guess who first came getting saved in my ministry my wife then my kids and then when she saw me walking it out and I said you know what baby I'm going to serve God with you or without you but I choose Jesus I didn't want to lose her, but I just knew this. If I did what God called me to do, that he would grab a hold of her. Man, got to find Christ. Got to find Christ. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, are you in the right place with Jesus right now? I'm not questioning your salvation, but if you haven't received Christ and you know you need Christ and that's why you walk through these doors, hopefully not out of religion, but because of the relationship that you want to grow in. Could you raise your hand? I'd be honored to pray with you. Number two, men, are you ready to step up to the plate? Are you ready to serve God with everything in you at all costs? Are, are you willing to suffer for him? Take embarrassment, take hits, lose things for the cause of Christ? If 
because great shall be your reward, first which is Christ Jesus, and then what you're going to see in heaven. I'm going to call men to step up to the plate. Men, if, if, if you would just come into agreement with me, I'm going to ask Pastor to come up and maybe you'll lift your hands. we got maybe five minutes. I say, God, I want to take it to the next level. I want to take it to the next level, Lord. I want to walk in that dominion, that power, that authority that you say that I'm supposed to have so that my family can live the same way, my wife and my kids, my city, my neighbors. I am the blessing of my neighborhood. I am the blessing in my home. And because of my blessing, my wife can be blessed. If I have any men like that, would you raise your hand, please? I want, I want to take it to the next level. I want to take it to the next level. Don't be ashamed. Come on, raise them high, gentlemen. Raise them high. I want to take it to the next level. See, the kingdom of God is predicated upon the man. You got to get this, gentlemen. The reason there's so much chaos in our homes and in our cities, because men have not stepped up to the plate. They, they become religious and not in a relational. They don't have their intimacy with God. I ask your pastor to come forward pray for you. This is an old step moment. This is God wanting to realign his order. Man, you count. You count. You're almost like the father of life. You carry this thing called a seed of life inside you that comes together with a woman that creates another life. We're not supposed to be just, just donors. We're supposed to raise men and women of God up by the Spirit. God's longing for the men and the women to come together as one under the umbrella of Christ. Pastor.